Well, good morning. My name is Robert, if you didn't know, and uh, today is my son's birthday, so I get to do the opening. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, start with a prayer. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for the chance we have to worship you and to uh, bathe in your grace and your light. Lord, we ask that you would uh, be with us throughout this service and that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a couple of quick things before I start talking about what I wanted to talk about. Um, I want to put in a plug for a YouTube video that I watched recently. It's, uh, it's called Put God First. It's a commencement speech that Denzel Washington does. You can Google it. I'm not going to go through it all, but it's really quite good. And uh, it's, it's nice to see somebody famous plugging God in front of college graduates, you know. So if you get a chance, it's called Put God First by Denzel Washington. So I've been uh, kind of thinking over the last, oh, I don't know, three or four months, I guess, uh, about the nature of light. Um, and there's quite a bit in the Bible about it, actually. I looked it up, and um, in the Strom's Concordance, there are 268 verses that uh, talk about light, and 41 of those are by Jesus himself talking about it. In the physical world, light travels about 300,000 kilometers per second, but that's to an outside observer. So if you're watching the light you know, pass, it would be traveling that fast. And, you know, time passes and, you know, we all are familiar with that. For example, it takes about seven minutes for light to get to Earth from the sun. <clears throat> but that's to an outside observer. To the light, which is traveling at the speed of light, imagine that, uh, no time passes. Because it's, uh, according to the math anyway, uh, if you're traveling at the speed of light, time stops. And so for the traveler for the light, no time passes. That's kind of interesting, I thought. Of course, that's by the, according to the mathematics, we'll see if that's true or not. Um, so I want to read a little bit here. There, there are a couple of them. I'm not going to obviously go through the whole group, but uh, I picked out a few to uh, talk about. Uh, first in Psalms is uh, 27.1. It's probably really familiar to everybody. Uh, this, this whole psalm is an, uh, a declaration of faith, and it starts out with, uh, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's pretty clear. I mean, you know, he's my light and my salvation. Um, and then Proverbs 13, 9 Yeah, the light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. So you have to kind of make a choice somewhere along the line. Are you going to want to be the, a person who rejoices, or do you want to be put out? I know where I'm going. I know what I want. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, but the light of the righteous rejoices. I like that. That's nice, yeah. And then in Isaiah 9-2... So here we're talking about, it's actually a prophecy about Jesus. Um, nine, two. Uh, the, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Now that's repeated in Isaiah 42, 7, and again in Matthew 4, 16. Um, and that's just talking about the light of Jesus coming to the earth to uh, shine light on people who are in the darkness. All right, so then Genesis 1, 5. 1, 1 through 5. That's, you know, pretty well known. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Did I miss it? Oh, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and it was good. 
and God divided the light from the darkness. So I used to question if, if that part of the word was talking about um, not just physical light, but the light of Jesus as well. But the next one kind of says that that's not true, uh, which is uh, John 1, 1 through 5. Um, settle that question for me. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so, you know, thinking that when God said, let there be light, that that also included, you know, Jesus' light. It's not really, this really says that, that Jesus was already there as part of God. We probably already knew that, but, you know, it's always good to ask questions, I guess. <clears throat> that reminds me of a, a thing that I, I heard. Uh, uh, a fellow was talking to some atheists, and he asked them, uh, <clears throat> do you ever question your lack of faith? Do you ever question the fact that you don't believe in God or any kind of deity? And they all said, no, we don't question that. Why would we question that? And he said, well, people of faith question their faith all the time. That's how they grow. That's how they become more faithful. You know, we read the word and we find the answers in the word. And so it kind of seems like you've stagnated. <laughs> okay, and then the last one is uh, Revelations 21, 22 through 24. So remember in the beginning, in Genesis, uh, God said, let there be light, and the stars and the sun and the moon came out and were created, and light flooded the darkness, and the world was made right for men, supposedly. Um, and in the end, in Revelations, um, this is talking about the glory of New Jerusalem. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Not much to say about that. In the end... The, the glory of God and Jesus will be the light. We won't, we won't need a sun, don't need the moon, don't need the stars. All the light will originate from the glory of God. And with that, if the uh, worship team wants to come on up, and I'll say a quick prayer for them, and we'll move on. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you once again, Lord, for your graciousness and grace. And Lord, I ask that you would be with the rest of the service and your name would be glorified, Lord, and that uh, we would remember you in all things we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship with us.
To the healer 
Ever be on my lips, ever be on my 
Lifted 
Thank you for including us in this story. Thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you when we do not deserve that. Lord, help us never be silent upon hearing your name. Help us always proclaim holy, holy, holy is your name. Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to gather here and honor your name. Help us never forget that this is not just a building. This is a gathering of believers. This is your body. Lord, help us always proclaim your love and what you've done for us to others, even if we might feel weird about it. God, I pray that we can get past the pride of sharing your salvation. Lord, you are holy, and help us remember that throughout this next week, that it's not about us. It's about what you are and what you've done for us. God, we love you, and I pray that you'd have your hand on the rest of this service and that you would you'd be glorified in our time here and that we would leave here like we would not leave here changed but we would rely on you more and see more of who you are and all God's people said Amen Father I just thank you so much for Jason thank you for his willingness to serve here and I just pray um, fill him up with your words and your spirit and that they would just you just be able to speak through him, Lord, life uh, and blessings on the body. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Good morning again. It is nice to have a warm place to come and meet. It's cold outside this morning, but it's nice and warm in here. And hopefully the turkey has had its chance to work its way out of your system so that you can stay awake this morning. Um, I just want to praise the Lord for his faithfulness. He is good. We've been hearing that all morning. And just to uh, the worship this morning, uh, you don't usually plan on changing out half your worship team on Saturday. And so uh, with Jana getting sick and a couple of others not feeling well, and the rest that we're able to step in and fill in, and it just is really neat to watch how God works. And He uses us if we're willing to be used. And so that was exciting, uh, exciting to see. So just in case that turkey is still there, stand up with me, if you would, while we read Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 52. 
Acts chapter 13, starting with verse 42. So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth." Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You can be seated. So the gospel is continuing to be preached. And again, they went straight to the synagogue and they started teaching there and they're sharing. And everybody was excited and they begged that they might keep preaching the next week. The Holy Spirit obviously is at work. And they're teaching, Paul and Barnabas teaching and they're sharing the gospel and it's creating quite the hunger for more. Can you imagine, can you imagine or picture how exciting that might have been? And I try to figure out, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they're sharing the gospel, the gospel's exciting, the stories of what have happened, the history that's in scripture is exciting, but sometimes I don't, I, maybe I've heard it so many times that I don't really feel that excitement for it anymore. Or maybe I, uh, it's just so old news to me, yet when we read it, it can come alive again. And I was just thinking, what is, what is making this so exciting for these people? Why is it so exciting that they're begging them to come back the next week? And it says when they came back the next week, almost the entire city was there. Incredible. <clears throat> there was a time at youth group years ago when we used to have it at our house. And there was a young man that came for, I don't know how long he was there, a few months maybe, not quite a year, I'm not sure. But anyways, I'll never forget that after we had had a, a, a devotion time and we were usually after we got done with that, then we'd play games or we'd have snacks and we'd kind of stand around and visit. And I'll never forget this young man that was there that had not heard some of these stories in the Old Testament. He had never heard them. And I don't, rem- I don't remember who, there wasn't that many young people there, but I don't remember who all was there. I don't, I don't know if you would have been there. Do you remember Riley, Zach? He stayed at your guys' house, uh, Robert Wayne, for a while. He hadn't heard him. And I just remember sitting there at our kitchen table sharing the stories of Jonah and the stories of David and Goliath and these stories that we've heard over and over and we know them so well we can tell them in our sleep. We can tell them backwards. But he was so excited to hear these stories. And I just never forget that because if this is anything of what's happening here with Paul and Barnabas is they're excited to hear what God is doing. They're excited to hear about the miracles that God has done, that Jesus has done, that Paul and Barnabas are sharing about. How do we keep that excitement? How do we keep it? Because I, want, I like that excitement. It's really exciting, right? for lack of a better word, but it is. It's incredible, the feeling that you have when you get to share. Have you ever got to sit down with somebody and you're just talking about how good God is and you want to share that with each other? That'll get you excited. If you don't believe me, try it sometime. What is God doing in your life? And you start looking. Last week we talked a little bit about looking back at what God's been doing in your life. But if you sit down with a brother or a couple or whatever it is and you start sharing what God has been doing in your life and then you start listening to what God has been doing in their life, that'll get you excited. Do it. Do it. Because I want to keep that excitement for the gospel. I want to keep the excitement that they're seeing right here. Paul and Barnabas, they're begging them to come back. 
And when they did come back, almost the entire city showed up. The Holy Spirit is alive and well today, just like he obviously was right here. Still alive today. He still wants to work through us. He still wants to use us. He still wants to use us to minister to other people. And I want to hang on to that excitement as much as we know how. As much as we can. I'm not saying we can necessarily live there because life isn't always exciting. But God doesn't ever change. Circumstances in life can change, but God doesn't ever change. So the excitement that we have for who God is shouldn't ever change, right? Am I right, or is that just me? Let's keep that excitement for who God is, for what He has done for you and me. We just came through Thanksgiving. We got to, hopefully you all got to spend time with family, and you had some, probably too much food, but... It was a fun time of remembering and being grateful for what we have. And to be able to share, spend time with family and enjoy it and get along, for me, was a blessing. Because I know that's not everywhere. But we still get to enjoy it, and I'm very, very grateful for that. So what keeps bringing these people back? They want them to keep teaching. They want them to keep preaching. I want to read Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one despise you. This is what Paul and Barnabas are sharing. This is what they're doing. They're sharing, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. We can have an assured hope that Jesus is still coming again. It doesn't matter if we are going through a difficult time. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus is still going to come again. And if we can keep our eyes and our hope on that point, on remembering that he is going to return, he's going to come back to take us home to be with him, that is worth being excited about. <clears throat> and as, I'm not that old yet, so I'm going to be very, very careful. But as we get older, we realize that time probably gets closer. But we don't even know that for sure. Because it could be tomorrow that Christ comes. And that's what the excitement should come from, is not knowing for sure when it was going to be. Because if we knew, I would hate to think of what we'd do different. Because part of me would like to think, well, sorry, spitting. Part of me would like to think that we would go out and we would tell people leading up to that day. But the other part of me is like maybe we would decide that we were going to live how we wanted to live because we would know the day that Christ was coming back and we'd know how much time we would have. The fact is today we don't know how much time we have. And so we need to live every day excited about the return of Christ. We need to live every day Focus on who Jesus is and sharing the gospel like Paul and Barnabas are. So when the Sabbath came the next week, almost the whole city came to hear the word. Now, the Jews that were there weren't real thrilled about what was happening. Because they have been in this synagogue, these particular Jews in this city, in this synagogue, have been here teaching for who knows how long reading the scripture every Sabbath, going through the motions, checking off the list, whatever they were doing. Every week, week in, week out, they were always there. Here comes Paul and Barnabas. And they asked them to share, but Paul and Barnabas are excited. And their excitement is spreading. It's catching. It's contagious. People are getting excited with them. And the Jews and the people that have been here for a long time are not liking this because they are thinking. I can imagine what they're thinking. We've been here for so long. We've been here year in and year out, week in and week out. And all of a sudden, these two guys come in here, and in two weeks, they have the whole city here. That's just not right, and that's not fair, and I don't like it. 
And now I'm speaking from my perspective because I probably would have felt that way. I could very easily have felt that way. Except what I would hope that I would feel differently is that we're sharing the same gospel. And I'm not sure whether they completely were or not. But hopefully we can be sharing the same gospel. And so if I preach up here every week and then we can have an evangelist come in and share, which is exciting and great and I enjoy listening to people like that. But to hear from somebody different... This is what's happening here. They've heard from the, the, the leaders, the religious leaders here week in and week out. And Paul and Barnabas come in and they're sharing what's supposed to be the same message. And everybody's getting all excited about it because it's alive. Which is what the word of God is today. And so no, I don't feel threatened when somebody else shares. Why would I feel that way? Because we are sharing the same message. We're sharing the same gospel. We're trying to Get you, get me, get us excited about living for Christ. Because Jesus is going to come back. But this was making the Jews that were here, it says it filled them with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Why would they do that? Because the things spoken by Paul were probably a lot similar to what they had been sharing. Why would they do that? It's because they were filled with envy. They were jealous. What does jealous mean? Fearful or wary of being supplanted. Apprehensive of, being, of losing affection or position. And that's exactly what was happening in that day. They were afraid they were going to lose their position. They were afraid that... They were going to be supplanted. Their place, their spot was going to be taken. Even though we say that we're all one big body of Christ, yet we still are human. And this is what is showing right here. They were jealous. You ever been jealous? (laughs) Don't raise your hand, please. You would think that teaching and preaching the same thing would be enough to see past that. And I would hope for me that I would be mature enough to see past that. Because God is still good. The message is still the same. Sometimes, I don't know if you've ever tried to explain a math to somebody and they just are not getting it. And so you ask somebody else to explain the same thing to them and all of a sudden it just clicks. What in the world? How? Why couldn't you get it when I explained it to you? Because everybody's different and everybody hears differently. And that's okay. That's okay because the message is still the same whether I'm standing up here or whether any one of you is up here sharing the same thing. The message that we're after is the same. We have the same goal. There's another, just going along the lines of jealousy. I'm just, the Bible has got quite a few different examples of people being jealous. And one of them I'm going to read is, is in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and it's 6 through 9. And David, well, Saul is king. David has been fighting with him. And they come back from battle, and this is what the people are saying. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Now what's really ironic about that is he already had the kingdom. But Saul didn't like this. Saul was jealous because he said, They're saying that David killed his ten thousands, and I only killed thousands, which was probably true. But yet they were fighting the same enemy. And so if you add ten thousands and you add thousands, you still have one. But yet Saul was jealous. How often do we find ourselves in that situation? We look at that and we think, well, good grief. Saul has made so many mistakes already that God has pulled the kingdom from him and he's not going to allow his kids to succeed him. But then if we look at our own lives... 
and we look at some of the things that we have gone through and maybe some of the choices that we've made that haven't been the best. And then we try to figure out why we're jealous or why we are envious and why we have that spirit. Because we're looking at Scripture. We're looking at this situation from here, from our perspective. We can see all the things that are happening around it. We're living in our lives right now. We can't always see all the things that we have going on around us. And so sometimes we reach out to other people and say, hey, I need a fresh perspective. Have you ever done that before? Saul was jealous of David. How many times have we found ourselves jealous? Or what might some things be that make us jealous or envious? I'm not asking for any volunteers to answer the question. I just want you to think to yourself, what are some things that might make you jealous? Have you ever... Um, can you, let's see, how do I want to word this? What did I write down? How often are we jealous of other people's, of other people's success? For example, we grow apples, okay? And we get a pack out, we look at our pack out, and the pack out, and then we'll get, and then we'll get an estimate of of price, what the price is estimated to be. And on that paper, it will have the top estimate of the pool, and the bottom estimate of the pool. Hopefully, we're towards the top, but we're not always. Sometimes we're at the bottom. And if you don't take thoughts captive, pretty soon I'm thinking, why in the world? Rather than thinking, what could I do? To get to that point, what could, how could I better grow fruit or how could I better take care of my fruit to get to that top point rather than saying, why do they get that top one? When the fact of the matter is they did a better job. They probably deserve that one. What are the things that make us jealous? Because they'll come in anywhere in life. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're still in high school or if it's the kids down in children's church. Uh, maybe theirs are just a little bit more obvious when things are jealous. But as adults, we still get jealous. And don't try to tell me that you don't get jealous because we all do. But what do we do with it? How do we handle it? Can we be excited when somebody else gets a new vehicle? Can we be excited about that? Have you done... Have you? Have you made an effort and purposely tried to go and say, hey, it's awesome, I'm so excited for you? Or in the back of your mind, are you thinking, I wish I could have one of those? Well, how do you handle that? Do it. Go and be excited with somebody. You want to talk about things that are contagious, that can be one of them. Or don't be, and that can be contagious as well. The opposite way. How are you going to handle it? What are things that make you jealous? What are things that you don't want to admit that make you jealous? <laughs> the Jews were jealous on the short term because short term Paul and Barnabas came in and in two weeks they had the whole city there. And they were jealous because of that. But long term, the goal should have been the same. And I want to remember to... Keep the end goal in mind because it's when we get off of the end goal that that's when we get hung up with these problems. As we keep going, let's see. Um, here's what Paul says. Then Paul, because they were opposing them, they were speaking things that weren't true, they were contradicting, they were blaspheming. There's also a, lots of examples in Scripture where that had happened in the past. Uh, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, to you Jews first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. I don't, that kind of, seems a little harsh to me. But this is essentially what they're doing. That you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Everlasting life, the gospel is for everybody, right? We have established that hopefully over the last several weeks that it's for everybody. Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter who you are, the gospel's for you. And so Paul and Barnabas are saying, we came to you first. We felt led, we were told to bring this to you first. But since you have rejected it, since you have said, we don't want anything to do with it, now it's going to go to the Gentiles. The Jews were given the same opportunity 
yet they turned it down. When Jesus sent the disciples out in Matthew 10, and he sent them out two at a time, and he says, but go, in, in Matthew 10, 6, it says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Talking about the Jews that have forgotten who they are. They've forgotten who their God is, which is nothing new, because if you read through the whole Testament, that's what happens over and over and over again. And today we still do the same thing. We forget who God is. We forget what he's done for us. And so this is why he said, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go to the Jews first. Take it to them. But because you rejected it, it's going to be given to the Gentiles. It says, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth, which is just uh, rereading Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6, and I'm going to read that one. It says, Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So if the Jews aren't going to take the gospel message and continue proclaiming it, I'm going to give it to the Gentiles because I'm pretty sure they will because they were excited about it. They didn't have it before. They didn't have scripture that they read maybe every Sabbath day. And so when the gospel is presented to them, they are more than happy to accept it. This, of course, when Paul said that we turn to the Gentiles, it says, now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. They were excited. They were excited about what was happening. Oh, the gospel is not just for the Jews. Now they're going to turn and they're going to share it with us. This is an exciting time. The gospel was being spread to anyone who would listen, but the Jews still weren't happy about it. The people were coming to know the Lord. Now there's a part in that verse that says, And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Now I don't claim to understand what all that means. I just know that people were believing. People were coming to know who Christ was because of the preaching of Paul and Barnabas here. So what happens next? The word of the Lord was, beginning, was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and expelled them from their region. Now, this isn't anything new, because if you look back when Jesus was here and when Jesus had been arrested and he went before Pilate, and Pilate says, I don't have any, I can't find anything wrong with him. But some of the Jewish leaders had went among the people and said, hey, he's going to ask to, if he can release one person to you. And we want you to ask for Barabbas, not for Jesus. And so when it says that devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, this is nothing new. They were trying to get rid of them in the same way that they were trying to get rid of Jesus. Because again, they're proclaiming the same gospel message. When Jesus came and he did the miracles and he shared who he was and he shared his love with people and they didn't like it, they didn't agree with it, they didn't want anything to do with it, they crucified him. Here's Paul and Barnabas sharing the same message that Jesus brought. And they still don't like them either. And so they're going to make up things or they're going to uh, uh, maybe make up some false information or however they go about it to try to get them kicked out of the city. And this is what they're doing. They're, taking, they're using their higher position or authority to try to force Paul and Barnabas out of their region. I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing for whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is what Paul and Barnabas are teaching. And here is Paul sharing a little bit again about what has been happening to him back in Acts. But yet he keeps on going. He keeps moving forward. And it it is interesting that this happened more than once in Paul's life, as we're going to see as we go through Acts. But how do we fight against this seemingly unjust plan that's happening right here? What do you do against that? Well, Christ, when he was here and he sent his disciples out and he told them, you're going to go to these cities, you're going to go to these people, and some people, if they invite you in, you stay with them the whole time you're there. If they don't invite you in, you shake the dust off your sandals. And he calls that as a testimony against them. As a testimony against them. Mark chapter 6. Verses 10 and 11. And this is after he, as he is sending them out. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. You all know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Shake off the dust. You know, the hard thing to remember when, if I was in Paul and Barnabas' shoes here, and they were speaking against us, and they were blaspheming, or whatever they were doing, that would, that's hard to take. That's hard to understand. It's not fair. Why, Lord, is this, why are you allowing this to happen? And I think the thing that we always have to remember, no matter where we're at, and no matter what we're going through, is that it's not you that they're making fun of. It's not you that they're targeting. It's not you that they have a problem with. It's who you believe in. It's Jesus that people have a problem with. It is not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. But you and me are somebody that they can see. And therefore, they're going to take it out on you and I. But Jesus said, that's okay. That's okay. If they do that, shake the dust off your sandals before you leave and go to the next town. Go to the next person. Share it again and again and again and again. And don't be discouraged if somebody doesn't like it. Because it's not you. It's him. It's not about me. It's all about him. And that's a good reminder of what that is. They are not rejecting you. They are rejecting Christ. So the three things from today. There's power in the gospel. The people were coming to hear because the gospel was being shared. Do not underestimate the power that the gospel has. Sometimes we think we have to have a lot of things to attract and and draw people's attention. You know what? There's power in the gospel. And if they're coming here because they're attracted by something, then I'm afraid that we might be missing the point. The gospel is what has the power. And people are excited to hear about the gospel. Not everybody is, but people are excited. The second thing is don't underestimate what jealousy can do because jealousy in our lives can be very, very damaging to us. It isn't going to hurt the other person. It might hurt relationship, but it's not going to hurt the other person. It's going to hurt you. Don't underestimate what jealousy can do. And the third one is what we just mentioned. It's not you that they're rejecting. It's Christ. And so keep on sharing the gospel. Keep on sharing the love of Christ wherever we go. And as we, it says in verse 51, Acts 13, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. They just moved right to the next city. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Even though they were rejected, even though they were thrown out of town, it says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And that is what we have to hang on to. That's the promise that we have to hang on to because our God does not change. He doesn't waver. He's always the same. 
And we can be very, very grateful for that. So as you read this week, you read through different stories, you read through different parts of the Bible, I want you to get a sense of excitement for what the Bible is saying. It's incredible. It's incredible what we have right here at our fingertips to live by. Stand up with me if you would. Father, thank you so much for loving us. I thank you that we can meet here together week after week to be encouraged, Lord, to feel your love and feel the love of those around us, Lord, but also to be challenged. I pray, Lord, that as we go from here today, you would give us an extra boldness and extra excitement for who you are, for what you've done, for what you are doing in our lives Just thank you, Father, for that. I pray a blessing on each one that's here. May you be glorified throughout our week. In your name we pray, amen. Everybody have a good week, and you can be dismissed.